السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وابن سيد الوصيين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to episode number 25 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Allahumma inna hadha yawmun tabarrakat bihi banu umayyah wa abnu akilatil akbad al-la'een ibnu al-la'eeni ala lisanika wa lisani nabiyyik sallallahu alayhi wa alihi fi kulli mawtinin wa mawqifin waqafa fihi nabiyyika sallallahu alayhi wa alihi وهذا يوم فرحت به آل زياد وآل مروان بقتلهم الحسين صلوات الله عليه. After we are done with the du'as that we make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ziyara goes on to say that, O oh Allah, verily this was a day that Banu Umayyah took as a blessed one. Banu Umayyah in general, and especially the son of the biter or eater of livers, I will talk about these inshallah. Accursed, son of accursed. Cursed by who? Ala lisanika wa lisani nabiyya. Cursed by you, O Allah, and by your Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. Fi kulli mawtinin wa mawqifin waqafa fihi nabiyyuk. Everywhere the Prophet would go, everywhere the Prophet would stand, his la'na was upon them. وَهَذَا يَوْمٌ فَرِحَتْ بِهِ آلُ زِيَادٍ وَآلُ مَرْوَانٍ This is also a day that آلُ زِيَاد, the family of Ziyad, the family of Marwan that we spoke about before in previous episodes, they also were happy about. Why were they happy? بِقَتْلِهِمُ الْحُسَيْنِ It makes it very clear. بِقَتْلِهِمُ الْحُسَيْنِ صَلَوَاتُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Because they killed Imam Hussein salam. Okay, so there are different points here that I want to touch on, inshallah. Number one is how the Banu Umayyah took this day as a blessed day. Number two, who is Akilatil Akbad, the one who devours livers? Number three, the accursed son of accursed, accursed by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. We'll talk about that a little bit and then we shall end. There are some points here, some important points to make in this episode. Okay, so... It begins by saying that they took it as a blessed day. How did they take it as a blessed day? History will report to us um, of different things that the Banu Umayyah did. So we have to understand, they saw this as a grand victory for themselves. And so they would rejoice on this day. And they would take it as a blessed day in the sense of also to the, to the extent that they would see God's blessing for them and favor upon them on that day to the extent that they would gather food and save up food and stock up on food for the rest of the year. So let me go through this list here that we, that I have of things that they would do. It says that إِنَّهُمْ جَعَلُوهُ يَوْمَ سُرُورٍ وَفَرَحٍ وَانْتِصَارٍ Banu Umayyah They took this day as a day of happiness and joy and victory. Why? Because they had killed Imam Hussein alayhi salam. فَأَخَذُوا يَجْمَعُونَ وَيَدَّخِرُونَ فِيهِ قُوتَهُمْ وَأَرْزَاقَهُمْ لِسَنَتِهِمُ الْجَدِيدَةِ They would stock up, they would uh, gather their food, their provision, their rizq for the new year, 
as we all know, like Muharram is the start of the lunar calendar, right? Is the first month of the lunar calendar. So that would be their day of stocking up on things. They, they would see it as a day of barakah, a day of blessing. As if if they stock up on their food and their provisions for the future, for the coming year, on that day that God will give them and grant them and bless them with abundance to that extent. And so on the flip side, what we have is that our imams, they have said, and inshallah we'll go through a hadith in this regard, they will... They had discouraged their people and their followers from taking this day as a day of blessing and day of gathering things and day of working and all of that kind of stuff. So the exact opposite of what the Banu Umayyah did. So in this hadith that we have here that I want to share with you that I just said that I'll share, it says that Imam al-Ridha he said, مَنْ تَرَكَ السَّعْيَ فِي حَوَائِجِهِ يَوْمَ عَشُرَاءَ A person who puts aside his work or her work and them going after their needs on the day of Ashura, Allah will fulfill their needs in the dunya and in the akhirah. SubhanAllah. So here, if you want barakah, if you want God's blessing, it's, it lies in actually doing the opposite of what Banu Umayyah were doing. Not worrying about taking care of things on, on that day. And getting stuff done on that day. That's a day of aza, that's a day of mourning. Whoever takes the day of Ashura as the day of their musibah and tragedy and huzn and sorrow and buka weeping, Allah will make Yawmul Qiyamah, the day of judgment, their day of happiness and joy. They will meet us in Jannah and they will be happy about that. One of the one of the things that they will enjoy on that day or in paradise is being with us. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give barakah, will not bless whatever you take and stock up on if you if you take the day of Ashura to be a day of blessing. This is very important, brothers and sisters. Look at the wording. It's important because you do notice this happening and being said in our communities sometimes. Sometimes people have no choice. They're living in the West. They have no choice but to go to work on the day of Ashura or else they'll lose their job or something bad is going to happen. And so they ask this question, like, what do we do? Well, if you have no choice and you have to go, first of all, it's not haram, it's makruh to work on that day. Right, Of course, no one encourages it. Personally, I would never encourage such a thing. But sometimes it's not in our hands and people will ask. And so our maraja have said it's okay. Like, okay, if you have no choice, go ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, it's makruh. Now, I've heard some say that we will even give the amount that we make on that day. We'll give it in sadaqah. That's not what our maraja have said, brothers and sisters. That's something that if you want to do extra, fine. But our maraja haven't even said that. That's all they have said. They have said it's makru. If you have to go, then go. Fine, no problem. Of course, this is like the last day a person would voluntarily want to work on Ashura. Why? Because the Imams are saying, take it as a day of mourning and grief. A person who's taking it as a day of mourning and grief, they have then they're not going to be worrying about working and putting aside or having food and stuff like that. So, but sometimes we have to understand that yes, some people might just not have a choice, and okay, that's understandable. But look at the wording of the hadith now. Having said all of this, it's important to understand. It's not just saying 
whoever does anything on that day, Allah is not going to give it barakah. It says whoever takes the day of Ashura as a day of barakah. So first it starts with our ideology. It starts with what mentality we have. Are we taking it as a day of barakah? And then as a result, and then as a result, we take because we see it as a day of blessing, we are going to gather, we're going to stock up on things on that day as a result of us seeing it as a day of blessing. In this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give barakah and bless um, what whatever you have stocked up on and saved up. This is different than a person who has no choice and eventually has to go to work and then he, they have to worry that, oh, this hadith is going to apply to me. No, did you take this day as a day of blessing and then go to work? Or no, you had no choice. So we have to be a little more realistic and more practical and just go by the wording of these hadiths when we tell people about these things. So a person who takes this day as a day of blessing and then tries to gather up stuff and gather and, and stock up, this person... Okay, they, they, they have a very problematic understanding. They have a problematic mentality. And so, in other words, they're against Imam Hussein. And so, These people will be resurrected with Yazid, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, Umar ibn Sa'ad. These people, why? Because these people took it as a day of blessing. And they practiced these things that we talked about. So... If you're not taking it as a blessed day, you are very upset, but you have no choice, that's going to be a different story. This hadith will not apply to you. So we want to make sure that we don't take this as a blessed day, number one. Number two, we're trying, we're going to try our best to the amount that we are we we can to take this as a day of mourning and grief and sorrow and not even worrying about our daily affairs. Okay? That's what we're going to do for sure, insha'Allah ta'ala. Alright, so that's some of the things, those are some of the things that they would do. We also have, إِنَّهُمْ جَعَلُهُ يَوْمَ عِيدٍ Not only was it a blessed day for them, it was super blessed that they took it as an Eid, it says. فَيُوَسِّعُونَ فِيهِ عَلَىٰ عِيَالِهِمْ بِالْأَكْلِ وَالشُرْبِ وَلُبْسِ الْجَدِيدِ They would spend a little bit more on their families on this day, because it's an Eid. What do you do on an Eid? You spend more. Yes, you have a good time. You might uh, entertain yourself. You might enjoy better meals, better drinks, right? You will wear better clothes. So this is what these are the things that they would do. Like it's not just a blessed day that we're going to stock up on things. Even more than that, we are going to wear new clothes. We are going to have better food and drink. Okay, well, that's what you do on an Eid. Yaqussuna shawaribahum, yaqlimuna adhafirahum. They would um, groom themselves. Here it says, يَقُصُّونَ شَوَارِبَهُمْ means that they would trim their uh, mustaches, which I would say means like, you know, they're grooming themselves. And they would clip their nails and, you know, look good. And يُصَافِحْ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا They would shake hands with each other. Well, this is all, all of these things are things that you find in on an Eid. وَهَكَذَا يَقُونَ بِبَقِيَةِ الْمَرَاسِمِ الَّتِي تَجْرِي فِيهِ الْأَعْيَادِ they would do whatever else that people do on Eids. Laanatullahi alayhim. These people who of the Banu Umayyah back then, this is the culture that they were establishing. And a, a culture of Eid and celebration for this day. So when the ziyara says, Allahumma inna hada yamun tabarrakat bihi banu umayyah, they took it as a blessed day. 
to the point that it becomes even an Eid or when it says that Al-Ziyad and Al-Marwan they took this as a day, a joyous day, a happy occasion these are some of the things that they were doing on such a day while the Shia, the Banu Hashim they are weeping, they are mourning and crying this is what they are doing now there is one more thing as well that takes place on this day until today we see it as well and that is that we will find uh, our brothers and sisters from the Ahlul Sunnah, they will fast on this day. We also go back in history and we'll find that back then even, those enemies of Ahlul Bayt would also fast on this day. So now we have an issue. It's a reality, brothers and sisters, that today even, people are fasting. But I want to explain this a little bit because there's a lot of misunderstanding here. And in, in no way am I encouraging such a thing, by the way. It's just that we want to make sure that we understand where people are coming from when they're doing something. What's for sure is, if you ask any of those who fast today, if you ask them why they're fasting, then you will never find any one of them saying, oh, it's because Imam Hussein got killed. Because it's a blessed day because of the killing of Imam Hussein. You won't find that in this day and age. Back then, the Banu Umayyah might have spread this idea, or maybe those who came after them, to fast as a result of it being a Eid or a semi-Eid or a blessed day. You might find that there. Why? Because of the killing of Imam Hussein But in this day and age now, what you'll find is that um, they will be fasting as a result of the hadiths that they have in Sahih al-Bukhari, for example, that I will share with you. It's a fiqhi matter. And they're doing it because they are of the opinion that, okay, we have a hadith or two in our books that are reliable that are authentic for us, that tell us to fast on this day. Okay, if, you, if that's what your fiqh says, that it's mustahab to fast on that day, then okay, whatever. Um, fiqh encompasses the wajib, the haram, the mustahab, the makruh. They will tell you and I that we're fasting because of, an other, of another reason, not because of Imam Hussein getting killed. Yes, we are upset about that. But our fiqh, our culture, our madhab, doesn't tell us that we need to commemorate Ashura, the killing, the death and martyrdom of Imam Hussein all the way till today. They don't have that. And this is where we have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brothers and sisters, that our Imams established this culture until today we remember Imam Hussein salam. They will say we don't have this in our riwayat, in our hadith corpus, that it needs to be commemorated every year. They don't have that. They will say that what we do have though is this. Now the Shi'i school of thought will say, well, we... We believe that these hadiths that you will have in your books, we believe that these were put there for other reasons. There's an agenda. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, they follow Sahih al-Bukhari, for example, they will go by that. We follow Usul al-Kafi, for example, we follow what Usul al-Kafi and our books tell us. So now I want to share with you that hadith. Um, that is, it's famous and many of you might have heard this hadith of why they will fast on this day. The reason why I'm explaining all of this is just to understand where they are coming from. They're not fasting because of Ashura, you know, Karbala, excuse me, and because of Imam Hussein's death, but because of a hadith like this one. It says, Qadim al-Nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In their books it says, wa sallam, al-Madinata, the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi comes to Medina after he migrates. فَرَأَ الْيَهُودَ تَصُومُ يَوْمَ Ashura. He saw the Yahud, the Jews there, they fast on the day of Ashura. So he says, what's going on? What's this all about? They said, it's a great day for us. 
So this is pre-Islam even that they're, uh, they are claiming. This is the day that Allah rescued the Bani Israel from their enemy, meaning the Fir'aun. So, Musa. So, Musa, he fasted to show his gratitude to Allah out of shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this blessing. He fasted. So, then the Prophet says, I'm closer to Musa than you guys, than the Yahud. That, that religion of Musa السلام, has been nullified by me coming. And uh, he was a prophet of God. I'm a prophet of God. We're like brothers. We're, I'm closer to him than all of you even. So you know what? So the prophet fasted that day from then on. And he also commanded everyone else to do so. Now commanded here probably means in a mustahab way. Some have said he made it wajib maybe. But then with the coming of Ramadan, the fast of Ashura was put aside. We also have this. This is also in Sahih Bukhari, what I just shared with you. That it was put aside after Ramadan came and Ramadan was made mandatory. All right, so nowadays, whatever happened in the past, nowadays they'll say that, okay, it's not wajib, it's mustahab. Not only the 10th of Muharram, but the 9th of Muharram is also mustahab to fast on. We will say, no, we don't, we don't want to do that. We, we believe that there were other reasons why this agenda was pushed forward. They will say our books don't have anything, any mention of that, that agenda. They're telling us it's mustahab to do it, so we'll do it. Our scholars are telling us that it's mustahab to do it. But then they will also say we are upset about what happened on Ashura. As a matter of fact, you know what I've seen some of them say? Some will say that we are upset about what happened to Imam Hussein, and that's why we're going to fast. So there's a lot of different opinions here, of course. So what are our maraja say in this regard? Most of the time you'll find that they'll take it back to the intention. They'll say, look, if you're fasting out of joy of what happened, of course, that's going to be very problematic. You're going to be in big trouble. If you're fasting out of grief, the ruling might change. So the ruling really will revolve around the intention. But all in all, brothers and sisters, this is what I want to say. The best thing I believe that we can do as Shia today is what is actually being practiced nowadays out there. And uh, our brothers and sisters in different communities and different centers, they practice this. What they do is they will not eat or drink throughout the day on the day of Ashura. And after the Salat al-Dhuhr and Asr, a little bit after that, they will have some more musibah. And after that, they'll have like some water or they'll have a very light food. That's about it. And this is beautifully based on a hadith we have by Imam al-Sadiq where his companion Abdullah bin Sinan, which is a famous companion of Imam al-Sadiq, he comes to Imam al-Sadiq on the day of Ashura. He says, I saw his tears rolling down like pearls from his eyes. فَقُلْتُ مِمَّ بُكَاءُكَ Why are you crying, O Imam? And so the Imam says, أَفِي غَفْلَةٍ أَنْتُ Are you uh, oblivious of what's going on? Like, today's Ashura, the day, أَمَا عَلِمْتْ أَنَّ الْحُسَيْنِ أُصِيبَ فِي مِثْلِ هَذَا الْيَوْمِ This is the day that Imam Hussein, the tragedy befell him. So, it's interesting here. Let me open a parenthesis real quickly, brothers and sisters. It's very interesting how these companions even, it wasn't a big thing for them, that they kind of would forget that it was the day of Ashura. This is where we were and this is where we are now. SubhanAllah, when Allah wants to bless something, this is how He blesses it. The tragedy of Imam Hussein wasn't that big and widely commemorated back then. The Imams, they did their part to make sure that a culture is established, that today we see the fruits of it. Like today it's unstoppable. It's something that is it's the biggest event of the year. The day of Ashura in the Shi'i calendar is the biggest event of the year. Who are we kidding? We all know this. This is by the barakah, by the 
blessing of the Ahlul Bayt and what they did. So this individual continues, Abdullah bin Sinan, he says, ما قولك في صومه. So what should we do with the fast of this day? So the Imam, he says, he says it's okay, fast it, but don't fast with an intention of fasting. So this right here shows this is not a normal fast, and a conventional fast, brothers and sisters. And then aftirhu, and then do iftar like in the middle of the day. So it's not a real fast. Don't do a full days of fast here. But rather do iftar after like an hour after Salatul Asr, then break your fast with a, a drink of water. Why? Because it was at that time, around that time, that the battle ended and Imam Hussein had been killed and it was all over. And so brothers and sisters, as I said, as Shia living today, this is the practice that we have. It's based on hadiths and as a result of those hadiths, we will have our maraji'. This is also what they will say. And let me just read to you what Ayatollah Sistani says here. It says, As-su'al ma siyam fi yawmi ashura. This is on his official website. The question is, what is the ruling of fasting on the day of Ashura? His answer, La yahrumu sawmuhu bal yukrah bima'na kawnihi aqal thawaban. He says, it's not haram, it's makruh. But it's better to do what? Mujarrad al-imsaq fihi huznan. What's better to do on this day is to stay and refrain from eating or drinking out of grief, out of huzn, ila ma ba'da salat al-asr, until after salat al-asr. Then to break that fast, or break, we can't even call that a fast, break that abstaining from drinking and drink, uh, eating, breaking that with drinking some water. So that is what he says. So now, one last thing I want to talk about in regards to the fast, uh, after everything I've explained, and I do want to reiterate that all of this is just explanation so that we know what's going on. We follow our maraja. Our maraja are saying it's better to make sure that you break that. Don't even have the intention of fasting. Break that fast in the middle of the day after Salat al-Asr. And that is what is widely practiced today. But we need to, it seems that we need to have some dialogue with our Sunni brethren in this regard. If they take this day as a day of Prophet Musa and his people being freed and rescued from Fir'aun and it's a good day because of that, we have to say, okay, well, if you want to fast because of that, fine, but also acknowledge the, the significance of this day and the sadness of this day because of what happened in the year 61 AH and the Shahada of Imam Hussein, the massacre of Karbala. Talk about it. Um, as a matter of fact, show that you care so that this also helps with the the uh, coming together of the hearts of your brothers and the Shi'i school of thought. This should at least, uh, we all respect, we all love the Ahlul Bayt alayhim wasalam. Why, why should we not speak about Imam Hussein on this day as well? If you're going to speak about what happened during Fir'aun's time and Musa's time alayhi salam, you should also speak about what happened in 61 AH and remind the people of this matter as well. And this will happen through friendly dialogue and speaking to each other as brothers and sisters inshallah. There's one more thing here, or excuse me, two more things that I want to talk about in regards to Ibn Akilatil Akbad, the son of Akilatil Akbad, that woman who was the devourer or the eater of livers. Who is this referring to? Hind, the daughter of Utbah. 
the wife of Abu Sufyan, the mother of Muawiyah and grandmother of Yazid bin Muawiyah. Here when it says, Wabnu Akilatil Akbad, the Banu Umayyah took this day as a blessed day, especially who? Ibn Akilatil Akbad, the son of the eater of livers, meaning Yazid, because he is her grandson. He was the most, the, the happiest one when he defeated Imam Hussein alayhi salam. Alright, so let's talk about this Hind a little bit and why she is referred to as the one who eats livers. And I'm pretty sure the brothers and sisters are very familiar already with this uh, topic, with this title that she had. But um, in the battles, in those beginning, those first battles of Islam, and as a matter of fact, the first battle of Islam, in the battle of Badr, some of the greatest mushrikeen were killed. Abu Jahl, Abu Lahab, Utbah, um, Walid, the brother of this Hind that we're talking about here, Shaybah, the uncle of this Hind we're talking here. So these were some of those big figures of the Mushrikeen, of the Quraysh, and the people of Mecca who were killed in the Battle of Badr. So this really was heavy on the hearts of the Meccans, the pagans of Mecca, including, of course, Hind. Her father, Utbah, her uncle, Shaybah, her brother, Walid, they have all been killed in the battle of Badr. And so she wants to get revenge. So she tells her slave Al-Wahshi, his name was Wahshi. She tells him that he has to kill either Muhammad in the battle of Uhud or Ali in the battle of Uhud or Hamza, Sayyidu Shahada in Uhud. And so Wahshi is successful and succeeds in killing Hamza, Sayyidu Shahada. Now it's an there's an interesting story here of how Wahshi says, I couldn't, I couldn't get close to Ali ibn Abi Talib because when he was fighting in the battlefield, he was aware of his surroundings. Fighting with others wouldn't make him oblivious to his surroundings. But with Hamza, I noticed that he gets very entrenched and engaged in the ones who he's fighting. He sometimes might forget about his surroundings. And that's why I was get, able to get close enough to hit him with my spear, to cast my spear such that it kills Hamza. And we read in history that Hamza Sayyid al-Shuhada, he died a very hard death. This spear pierced and went through the top of his body all the way down to his body. And I read somewhere once, to the bottom of his body, excuse me. And I read once that, you know, he, he died in a standing position. It was so painful, he couldn't fall even. And he died in a standing position, according to what I remember reading in the past. Um, there might be different accounts in this regard, but that was the account that I saw. So it's a very sad death that he went through. This uncle of the Holy Prophet who showed his support when the Prophet needed it the most. Anyway, Hamza eventually, after the battle, Hind comes and stands next to his body. It says that she had his chest and his stomach cut open and she took out his liver and she bit into it. And she took that along with other organs of the body of Hamza, Sayyidu Shuhada, she took them back with her to Mecca. And then she recited some poetry as well in regards to this whole incident. That she says that the sorrow that I had within me after the battle of Uhud, that, that sorrow that I had was alleviated. When was this alleviated exactly? When I cut open his belly and I took out his liver, this act, what I did, it got rid of that 
very deep grief that I had and that fire that was eating at me, it saved me from that. So this is that fire of revenge, brothers and sisters, that she had, that she needed to somehow extinguish and this is how she extinguished it. As a matter of fact, it says that, it also says that um, what she did was she also had the bodies of other shuhada mutilated and she took the ears and noses of the other shuhada of the Battle of Uhud with her and she made a necklace out of those as well. So brothers and sisters, if this is the mother or the grandmother, what can you expect from the grandson Yazid when they bring the head of Imam Hussein in front of him and he disrespects that head? The last point I need to cover in this excerpt is Al-La'in ibn Al-La'in ala lisanika wa lisani nabiyyika sallallahu alayhi wa alihi fi kulli mawtinin wa mawqifin waqafa fihi nabiyyuk This La'in, accursed son of accursed, Yazid, son of accursed Muawiyah Well, who's, who, who is the one who is cursing them? It says ala lisanik, by you, O Allah Lisan means tongue here, it's metaphorically speaking as if the tongue of Allah is sending curse upon uh, Yazid and his father. Well, where does this happen? Where did Allah send his la'an? Of course, in general, we know that the la'an of Allah is upon all of those who uh, are oppressive. But in particular, even, we have a verse in the Quran where it speaks of a of, of an accursed tree. The accursed tree in the Quran. We have a verse that says these words. Our mufassireen based on evidence in a, evidence from the Quran itself and also evidence from our hadiths have mentioned that what is meant here is not an, a tree that is in the hellfire that Allah has cursed but as a matter of fact it is referring to a an accursed family tree and they believe that this is referring to Banu Umayyah as a matter of fact even I've noticed this that even um, in the Sunni school of thought this has been discussed and people don't have a problem with actually accepting this opinion. Like Al-Alusi, if you look in his tafsir of Ruh al-Ma'ani, you'll find that he is not he doesn't shoot this opinion down, to say the least. It's very interesting how he actually points out when he's discussing this verse, he points out how the Banu Umayyad like kind of are deserving of this because of everything they're done, everything they've done throughout history. So that's uh, one point regarding Allah's, Allah's curse upon them. On your tongue, O Allah, they're cursed, but also on the tongue of the Holy Prophet. Well, when did the Prophet do this? It says, Everywhere the Prophet would go, everywhere he would stop and stand, he would send his la'an on these individuals. Now, if the ziyara had not told us this, we might not have come to such a conclusion that the Prophet hated them this much. Yes, we have a bunch of other hadiths of the Prophet speaking of the Banu Umayyah in a bad way. But sending his la'an on them everywhere he stands, everywhere he stops, is very interesting that the ziyara says this. And we have cases where the Prophet has sent his la'an upon Abu Sufyan, upon Muawiyah, upon Yazid even, the brother of Muawiyah. Of course, Yazid, the son of Muawiyah, was not alive during the Prophet's time. But we do have how the Prophet would uh, speak ill of them. And one of those things that we hear uh, famously in regards to the Prophet being very upset with Banu Umayyah or Banu Hakam, who are a another branch of the Banu Umayyah, what we find is that the Prophet woke up once towards the end of his life maybe um, and he was very, very disturbed. Why? Because he had seen 
he had seen a dream in which the Banu Umayyah were climbing his member like monkeys. And you know how monkeys, they don't just, you know, go up normally. They jump up and, you know, they, they kind of like play around and stuff. Something like that. Yanzuna, the verb that is used is Yanzuna. So they're jumping up like monkeys up onto the member of the Holy Prophet. And so this was very, very saddening for the Holy Prophet. And when he's a, he wakes up from this dream, he's very disturbed. And so some reports say that he mentioned that this I saw the Banu Umayyah doing this. He's, and some versions of the hadith say, he said, I saw the Banu Hakam, Banu Hakam, the, the children of Hakam, father of Marwan bin Hakam, and all the Marwanites that come after him because they, were, they, they had a good number of Khalifas after the Banu Sufyan of the Banu Umayyah, the Banu Marwan of the Banu Umayyah ruled. And so whichever of these two you take, at the end of the day, it is referring to, I mean, they are the Banu Umayyah. And so the Prophet was very disturbed and very upset. Maybe after this dream it was that he would send his la'an upon them everywhere he would go. And so they say, some reports say, that after this dream, the Prophet was so disturbed that he was never seen smiling again until the day he passed away. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.